Hello and welcome to the Big 12 Country Podcast, where four guys in jockstrap will be covering college football and providing content and HSOs from around the Big 12. Everybody, welcome back to uh, Week Eight review, and uh, we're here with Kendall, Colin, and Brady. Say hi, everybody. How's it going? Hey guys, What's up, fellas. We got no jockstrap this weekend. I guess he's a little under the weather, Kendall. Yes. Okay. So yeah, I'm past the day and age where I wear a jockstrap. Yeah, speak for yourself, yeah. Corey. What? We may have jockstraps. You may not. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I go commando. <laughs> I don't need jockstraps. So uh, yeah, we're gonna review week eight here. We had quite some interesting games uh, to start this off uh, with everybody. Uh, let's start with Kendall. Mm-hmm. What's your big takeaway from the weekend, whether it's conference wide, nationwide, whatever? Uh, I thought well, nationwide. I thought the biggest thing was probably the Ohio State game. Mm-hmm. Kind of surprised me a little bit, but you know they just kind of laid an egg there going into Penn State. But that's sometimes that happens, and it's a tough place to go play when that crowd gets rocking. They they can make some noise. So that was that was my take for as far as national scene. Mm-hmm. You got anything Big Twelve you want to add, and you want to wait till oh, we get into the games? The only thing in Big Twelve, I mean, we'll talk about as we go on, but I mean, the defense is killing me, absolutely <laughs> killing me across the board. It's not. I know that one game was such a big game, but just across the board, the whole defense, the Big Twelve, is absolutely killing me. Yeah, you don't yeah. like you don't like power offense. Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess I don't know what you call this power offense or just like no defense. It's, it's we we just play offense against air. I know it's like. It really is. It almost looks like there's only eight guys playing defense in mm-hmm. the Big 12. It's so weird. Well, it's weird, too. You get into the stats, like we get into this as we record the game, but, like, for instance, Oklahoma, they had they actually got Texas Tech to several third and downs, right. th- even fourth downs. They just couldn't get off the field then. If they get off then, that field, that game's completely different, like yeah. vastly different, even if it's yeah, just half problem. of them. The problem Mahomes was perfect third and seven and longer. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I mean, he just – well, I think our defense was perfect at allowing guys to be open on third and seven and longer. But, yeah, he had to hit them too. So, I just – to me, you know, there are some defense being played, but you can't do anything. I mean, if you don't finish the job, if you don't get off the field, if you don't keep them out of the end zone, it doesn't matter, you know, what you did exactly. on the other downs. Yeah, you can't play two downs worth of defense. Mm-hmm. It, it never works. Yeah. Uh, Colin, uh, what's your takeaway nationally or locally, whatever you want to go with? Well, nationally, mine was the Arkansas-Auburn game. I, I don't think I can remember a team running for 500-and-something yards on another team but then holding the other team to 29 yards rushing. I mean, that just <laughs> yeah. that blows my mind. Yeah, that's What, that's was, what was OU Kansas when P. Ryan broke the record? Oh, Lord, it was pretty bad. I don't know. I think – I want to say Kansas ran for like 50 yards that game, but, but, 55 but, yards. Well, the thing about that, too, though, is like you talk about Kansas OU, they're on two different ends of the spectrum. Whereas oh, yeah, no doubt. Arkansas and Auburn usually live more closer niche together, so that's, that's what makes it even a greater – greater difference in this game to me that's yeah, kind of arkansas an, was rate rate 17 and auburn was 21 right to me that's kind of an interesting underlying topic nationally that nobody's talking about is that um you know if, if you kind of look at what billing has done at arkansas it kind of has the same feel as charlie strong now arkansas you're not gonna get the same heat as you do at texas right but you keep having these expectations you keep saying we're close we're getting there we're getting there and then you get to the season and nothing and this is what third third year into this experiment fourth yeah. year something like that so i can't have, remember how many years ago there was people riding around with the petrino on the motorcycle with the fake girlfriends on the back remember right. yeah <laughs> how many well, years ago that was well but, my thing on that too is is it's mainly his mouth that, yeah. that writes the check i mean mm-hmm. it seems like he's always saying something mm-hmm. and it doesn't come through i mean that's that, to me that's the biggest problem that, i mean charlie strong 
he might be saying we're getting closer, but he's not saying, oh, well, we're going to go out and stomp this team. Or mm-hmm. he, he has respect for the yeah, opponent, at least it's, quietly it's different. or publicly. It's different. Yeah. Well, what, what stuck out to me on it is the fact that these are supposedly his strengths, stopping the run and then running the ball. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the reason they recruit the linemen that they do. Yep. And then only run for 29 yards. Now, I guess maybe they're playing catch-up or something. I don't know, but – I mean, 540 yards of rushing is just ridiculous. Yeah, but even playing catch-up, you have to have some balance enough to run the ball, even if it's a third of the time, you know, whatever the balance is needed right. to get the job done. He's going to have to – I don't know. To me, that's something to watch because SEC, you know, they're pretty rabid at fan bases there, and I just can't see them accepting that too much longer, even at a place like Arkansas, which, as we've said before, probably thinks a little highly of themselves a little more than they actually are. Well, so. I, I talked to a Hogs fan today, and he was he was done with him. Mm-hmm. I have a feeling that's I have a feeling that's probably going. You just don't hear it as much, I guess, because they're being overshadowed by a lot of the big programs in the SEC, which has Texas is front and center, whether they're suck or they're good. So, you well, know. you got to look at it like fan base wise too. I mean, Arkansas is not nowhere near the amount of population or mm-hmm. graduates and stuff as compared to like Texas or yeah, they're Oklahoma. Like that. Yep. Yeah, and Arkansas doesn't have a twenty-something million dollar agreement with ESPN for a network either. Or you know, trying to you know they're constantly going to be pushing Texas. So. Uh, moving along, Brady, what's your uh, takeaway from the weekend nationally or locally? Uh, this just in, Tom Herman has checked out and is officially looking for his new job. <laughs> yeah. Houston, yeah. Houston got destroyed by SMU 38-16. Yep. Yeah, that's a good possibility. I mean, after, after their loss, their first loss of the year, I think he's the playoff hopes are gone and he's posturing to get out of Houston and start his next adventure. Well, and think about this. They were literally only a couple of feet away from potentially having a three-game losing streak. That's yeah. true. Talk, that, talk, almost that, that was a that was a sorry call. Mm. I mean, that, 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 there's too many men on the field. The guy was out. He was oh, outside. Yeah. I mean, it, oh, yeah. that whole thing was just a nightmare. Yeah. That, that was a bad call. They should have got the too many men on the field if nothing else. I mean, that was blatant. You had guys running off the field about the, to the numbers when he snapped the ball. I mean, come on now. Well, obviously, the Big 12 refs were actually riffing that game as well. <laughs> yeah, apparently. Yeah. That's another thing that's gone downhill in this conference. I can remember just seven, eight, you know, five, six years ago, the Big 12 officiating was really good. It was near the top. And now it's just a joke. I mean, it's horrible. So, I mean, that's something else that's gone down with the talent in this conference. Send all complaints on Big 12 refs to at Big 12 refs. They yeah. Do, they do respond. <laughs> <laughs> Who was the, uh, what was the five-star's name that went to Houston? Uh, Oliver. Yeah. Yeah. You think he's regretting that decision? Maybe, especially if his coach leaves because, I mean, you know, you got a feeling that – I mean, I know he was from the – you know, that area wanting to kind of go there, but I think I think he, Herman had a lot to do with bringing him in. Well, Austin's only three oh. hours away. Yeah, I know. That's so, what I'm I mean, saying. Like, I think Herman – I think it was kind of the combination of both. I can stay close to home and we can get this great coach, but I just – I don't know. Well, let's be honest. He's oh. three years and done anyways. Yeah. yeah and he's only and, got a, lot, and a lot of promises that Herman was making a lot of recruits. Hey, you come here, we're making it to the Big 12, or we're going to be in a Power 5 by the by next year. And mm-hmm. Which dreams is true. Are crushed. We do know he's done that. We do know he said stuff to them. So. Yeah. I mean, I would have too, though, if I'd have been – if I'd have been oh, no issues, I mean, mm-hmm. what, what what other option do you have? Well, I mean, and, like it's college football. Who's going to hold you accountable? Well, and you you honestly thought you had a good chance of getting in. I mean, mm-hmm. it, at oh, the yeah. time, yeah, they felt like they probably did have a good chance. Mm-hmm. And plus, he was going to make what a five million dollar payday if they got in. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. So it was what worth it to him to really try to yeah. push to get that money too. So yeah, I'd be interested to see how that goes. Um, you know, we'll see. Somebody will get him. Even if somebody has to pay the buyout, somebody will get him. Oh, you mean Texas? My, uh, so, yeah. my, in the in the Big Twelve takeaway is West Virginia defense is good. Yeah, they're playing great as a unit. I know that. That's what I we were talking the other day about. They don't have a lot of names on that defense, but they're they've got the system figured out. Which they've got. I think it's about um, fourteen, fifteen starters that are seniors. 
I mean, those those two, both sides of the, and it's about even. It's about seven and eight or something like that. So I mean, you know, it's pretty. You got a pretty experienced group of guys leading both sides of the ball yeah. that know the system, know what they're trying to do, and all of a sudden you've got Skylar Howard, who, like we've talked about in the past, with his bright sides. You know, like when you see things he does, oh, man, that looks really good. He's starting to do that all the time. Right, he's so, not making the big mistakes. Yeah, anymore. exactly. Yeah. Which yeah. he's getting to play with the lead decisions. a lot too. I mean, well, and I'll tell you another thing. I, I noticed too by watching them the last couple of weeks. Both the White brothers on that team can play. Mm -hmm. They're they're good. I mean, and the um, receivers there are better than I expected them to be as a whole as a group. Yeah. They're pretty good. So I mean they they they've got a pretty good package going there. So it may only <laughs> be for one year because like I said, it's a very senior laden team. But well, and it helped to have Crawford transfer in as well. So you have kind of a two headed monster at running back also. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yep, but definitely. You, but you know, at a school the size of West Virginia, we've always talked about this when it comes to like Oklahoma State or Kansas State. Your expectations got to be every three or four years you got a shot. Mm -hmm. you, you got that one window to try to get the, the get a champ, you know, to get a Big Twelve championship. That's all you I mean, can really hope for. Yeah, you can't you can't reload like an Oklahoma or Texas does as far as talent wise. It, mm -hmm. So I mean, I I felt like this is like his his one shot coming up, and so th they're doing what they're supposed to be doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you can, uh, especially the way the recruiting goes on those, you'll see a lot of times where. Those those schools that you're talking about will have two or three good guys, two or three really good guys, and then that next class will be like seven or eight good guys across the board, and then those that class gets older in a year or so, and the group you know plays really well for a year, and then yep. you start over. So yeah. Um, all right, rolling on into what happened. Our first game on the board here is uh, anything else you guys want to cover before we get into this? I guess I should have checked first. No, I'm good. You're good. Okay. Um, going into first game we have on the board, I've got Oklahoma State versus Kansas. This one took place up in uh, Jayhawk land, up in Lawrence. Final score was forty-four to twenty. Um, you know, there for a little bit, it looked like it was going to be kind of a kind of a close matchup, kind of like Oklahoma was, Oklahoma State was sleepwalking going into the whole thing. But you know, they kind of pulled pulled away late. Uh, you two guys, Colin and uh, uh, Kendall, being our Oklahoma State guys, what did you guys take away from this game, or what did you see? You hated, loved. Well, unfortunately, this is both of my teams, so oh, yeah. <laughs> I'll go That's here. true. I forgot about that. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, from OSU, I mean, we, we've kind of got used to this. They they seem to start slow. I don't know if it's the early kickoffs or, or what's going on, but they, like you said, they kind of sleptwalk through the first half and really even into the probably midway through the third quarter before the defense kind of came alive and, you know, Kansas kind of reverted to what, what they've been, which is turnover prone, which eventually was the deciding factor in the game. Mm -hmm. Um you know, probably the key to the game, I thought, was Kansas really shutting down James Washington. He was a complete no-show. He had, I believe, one reception for nine yards and then a couple of carries for not not really a lot either. It was really kind of the Jalen McCleskey show and Justice Hill show. Mm -hmm. um, from from Kansas, you know, we, we've said it all year, Speedy Gonzalez is fast, and, and he got his. Yeah, Good. yeah, he had a couple of big plays. Uh Kendall, what did you got? What you take away from this? Well, from from the Kansas State point of view, we we talked about it over and over again, like the last three weeks. It turnovers. I mean, if they don't turn the ball over so much, th this ball game towards the end will be a lot closer ball game. Mm -hmm. you, they can't. They just don't have the right talent to be able to overcome turnovers like that. Mm -hmm. and, and for that matter, neither does Oklahoma State on the other side. If they if they turn the ball over four times and Oklahoma, you know, and Kansas doesn't, you know, that's a whole different ball game. So it's. That's that's been their their biggest problem this year. Has been that it hasn't been effort. It hasn't been, you know, a lot of things. It's been specifically the turnovers, and they have to figure out a way to fix that. And it doesn't seem like it matters who it is too. It's not just one guy doing it every week. I mean, it's different guys kind of, you know, losing the ball each week, mm -hmm. and, and that's a big problem. 
Um, go ahead, Colin. One thing, or actually a couple things on Kansas. I thought it was interesting that they actually started Cozart this game instead of Willis. You know, we kind of thought that they may have flipped back to, to Willis, which, again, I think probably the turnovers from last week's game led to Cozart. And plus, Oklahoma's tradition or Oklahoma State's traditionally struggled against running quarterbacks, which he – I mean, he played pretty well. He had two interceptions, which one was kind of a fluke that probably should have been a touchdown if – I believe it was Gonzalez catches it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, the big drop one, yeah. Kind of walk in. Yeah. Um, Shoulder pad, like, right yeah. here. Bam. Running-wise, running, running wise, you had Kenner kind of show up with his first big game of the year, 14 carries for 145 yards, which, I mean, kind of take it what, what you will, but it, he did show up this game. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, just to see had a career high, right? Correct me if yeah, I'm wrong. Yeah, that was correct. Uh, you started to see some things, in my opinion, kind of work pretty well for, you know, Oklahoma State's offense, really get clicking. McCleskey has shown in the last few games, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, to kind of be a really viable option versus Washington yeah, that's if really you don't have whole, him. Really the whole season for him. If you have Aitman, if he comes back and he's healthy, I mean, that's – and, I, you know, like I still don't understand why we don't see Seals more, but I don't dive into them deep enough to really understand that whole thing. Um you know, Aitman could be a really formidable thing to give them a really, I mean, you, almost like a four-headed monster. I mean, you you really could have some weapons potentially at the end of the year with the help of Aitman, which you do now anyway. But I'm just saying that could provide a whole other way to expand the field. Um, one thing I wanted to ask you about, are you a little worried about how many yards, almost how easily it came up with, you know, Kenner had 145 yards on only 14 carries. Gonzalez had 106 yards on six car- six catches. Are you a little worried about the defense at all at this point? Well, I mean, my point of view on this whole thing is absolutely. But Oklahoma State's mentality the last two years has been it's okay to give up yards. It, we're relying on turnovers to help bounce us back. Mm-hmm. That, that's that been their M.O. If you look at it last year, their defense really wasn't all that great. They just created a lot of turnovers. That mm-hmm. that was That's what they lived and died on. Mm-hmm. And they're kind of doing that this year. And whenever they don't win the turnover battle, that's when they really struggle. Yep. And that's, that's what I've seen. Yeah, and I agree. I, I just feel like that this season, more so than most, that OSU's kind of playing to the level of their competition. Mm-hmm. You saw them step up against Baylor. They they played them pretty tight all the way through. And then they go into Iowa State and, and Kansas and pretty much no-show. Mm-hmm. You no know, kind of skate through and, mm-hmm. and barely come out with a win. I mean, yeah, it's a 24-point win, but no OSU fan felt like it's a 24-point win. Yeah, yeah. Um Real quick, go ahead, Colin. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. The, the one thing I'll say about Hill was is that Colin and I had this conversation earlier. This is what we expected to see at the beginning of the season. We kept hearing how great he was in in you know the spring, how great he was in the uh, I mean going in the, into the summer and, and fall camp that he was the best one. That's what everybody was saying coming out of Stillwater. He's he is the guy. He's the mm. best one. They haven't been using him as much. They've been trying to balance the the carries out. This is one of the first times you actually see him carry the the load over and over and over again and, and you see what the kid can do now yeah. granted it's against texas being I mean, excuse me it's against kansas which is you know not necessarily one of the best defenses of the big 12 but he actually got 22 carries in this game yeah. and the next one was eight it hasn't yeah. been like that all year yes yeah, it shows that he can do it if he's relied upon and sometimes you just need a get right game regardless of the competition you just need that game to kind of get things worked out the bugs worked out a lot of times we'll see it second third game of the year into a non-conference schedule you need that game against a team that can't really hurt you too bad to get all your bugs worked out, and then you go. A lot of times they get it figured out. That could be what happens for Hill here. Well, I mean, and I thought the the duo with him and Carson backing up worked great. Like, I would try to, you know, use that the rest of the way out. Yeah, I would too. Well, I, thought, I thought Carson looked really good this game. I mean, he he pretty much had the same exact average that uh, Hill did with, with less carries, but 
got the two touchdowns. I mean, he had some really good runs in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it gives you kind of a bigger back answer to Hill a little bit, or he looks bigger. I don't know how much bigger he actually is. He's, well, he's quite a bit bigger. Yeah, he's, he's yeah. pretty big. I, I thought it was interesting. Gundy actually brought up the point that ideally they'd like to have uh, Hill with about 18 carries and Carson with 12. Mm-hmm. So they're going to try to limit Hill a little bit. I think there's some concern if they expose him to high carries like this, which 22 carries, I mean, it's not a lot, but for a freshman it, it, it is. Yeah. They're trying to limit him after his previous high carry. I believe it was against Texas and Iowa State. He only ran for 57 yards. Mm-hmm. So you kind of felt there was a little wear and tear on him coming off he, of Texas. He's a small guy. Right. I mean, he's still. I mean, he's only a freshman, yeah, so he's, he's got, got plenty of time to put on weight. But I mean, as far if you see him in person, like I, I wouldn't watch him against Texas in person. And he's a small guy. When you see him walking around the sideline compared to the other guys, he's he's small. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think he's only about 175 pounds. Yeah, he's he, like I said, he's a small guy. I mean, he, he he does good with what he's got. But I'm saying once he adds some weight and stuff, he's definitely going to be able to carry the load a lot more. Yeah. Right. Uh, real quickly, I thought the game kind of spun on the play with as I kind of went back and looked at it. Stearns' interception when you look at the timing uh they're down they're up 11 kansas is moving the ball a little bit they've got a chance to make this a one score game and get it kind of close and this is what happened this is courtesy of the big lead.com so thanks to those guys it was intended for gonzalez it was deflected intercepted by jordan stearns stearns on a run back and it hit, and then the ball, oh, it's Vincent Taylor with it now. Pitch it to Vincent Taylor. They lateral it to Jarrell Owens. Owens cutting across the field. Owens is looking to lateral. This isn't Cal Stanford, but it's a run back with two laterals off the interception all the way down near the Kansas 15. All right, so that was uh, – go ahead, Brady. That play, I mean, it was – a heck of an interception, but why the hell are you pitching the ball to a yeah. big ass line, defensive lineman? Yeah, that's hey, that's going to be interesting. Vincent Taylor's an athlete, man. I don't know if you saw it, but that guy, he, you know, they need to put in a, a goal line package with him running yeah. option QB. Yeah, he's an athlete, but still. Yeah, no, he I just agree. made a pick. Let's not turn it back over. I, I didn't have a problem with him pitching it to Taylor. I had a problem with Taylor Taylor's pitching yeah. it to Owens because yeah. if you watch it, Owens is bobbling the ball for about yeah. twenty yards. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he almost lost he's it when he got tackled too. Yeah, he's lucky he didn't lose it. Yeah, um, I mean. I mean, to me, it's going to be interesting to see, you know, they've done this now, what, two times they've done this? And what, what's the one that did it against Texas? Taylor. Taylor, yeah. Taylor, yeah. It's the same guy. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'll be, uh, to me, it's, do you guys think they're practicing this? Is there something they're doing after behind the, you know? They've definitely practiced it. I think they, they want one pitch. If you pitch it more than once, that's where, I don't know if you saw the press box view, but. Spencer was absolutely disgusted <laughs> with the second pitch. Yeah. You could just see it was just like, there was no excitement. It was just like, oh, thank God we held on to the ball. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, real quickly, we won't dive too much into it before we move on, but Beatty, you're starting to hear a lot of rumblings. People are upset about what he's doing up there. I mean, I'm starting to really see it now. Um, people are unhappy. You got some Kansas fans who are realistic saying, you know, he just needs to make this higher or do this or do that or, you know, and to some extent, I guess, depending on what you think that's even realistic. But um, do you guys think that that they're being fair for what he's done so far this year? I mean, honestly, in your uh, opinion, to this point in the season? No. To me, I say, why? Why are you asking the questions? I mean, there's obviously, uh, if from watching Kansas last year to this year, I mean, there's a definite improvement. The defense has done a tremendous job, I think. I mean, they had, what, five sacks in this game? 
Mm-hmm. Well, they have they have some young players that are are going to be really good. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean they're thin, but they those guys play hard out there. They don't have a lack of effort on the team. I think he's doing a hell of a job out there. Yep. I, do too. I don't I don't know what all the negative feedbacks from. I mean, yeah, they're not winning games, but it's be realistic. You guys didn't win a game last year. Yeah, yeah you're not going from zero and twelve to twelve and zero. Yeah, that's not going to happen. And it's starting to get louder. I mean, it's really starting to be enough that you can actually hear it and see it on a lot of places. Um, right. He's he's definitely in a hot seat. To me, though, it, the problem is is it's our culture of instant gratification. Nobody wants to wait three years for a guy to get his players in and build it. I mean, we're seeing it with Strong well, right now. Well, the, the yeah. funny thing about that is, though, they they didn't mind waiting five years for them to destroy the program. Yeah, right. exactly. Yeah, you know, I mean, like that, that. It was okay for five years for it to steadily go down, but then they expected to go back up within yeah. two. It, it doesn't work yeah. that way. Yeah. There's there's two differences between Strong and Beatty. I mean, one Strong is coaching for Texas. Right. Texas wants instant gratification. They're they're used to being a good program, and they want to get back to that level. Well, hold on, Kansas. Hold, hold that thought, Brady. You you uh-huh. got to remember that Kansas. This is Kansas that is dominant in basketball, so they have that culture where we're really good in basketball. We should at least be competitive in football. They have that culture in basketball. It's should not happen in in football. It, it, I don't it, know that it carries it over to football. I don't really yeah. think it does. I think they're especially I mean I don't see how it could. I don't I don't unless you I don't know how any human being in the right mind could automatically assume that because we're good at one we have to be good at the well, other. Like that doesn't well, I don't think it's an assumption, it's a want. Well, well they can want it, but you still got to be realistic with your wants. Another difference I think there is big time between kind of stacking on what Brady was saying between Strong and and Kansas is in Kansas, you don't have the same type of athletes right. recruited yeah. on the sidelines standing there as they do in Kansas. It's mm-hmm. totally you, you different. Can't go out there, yeah, you can't go out there with the Texas logo and say, hey, man, we want you. And that guy's immediately going to, you know, if it's between Texas and Kansas, if, if any of you guys were athletes, throw away your biases, by the way. And Kansas shows up for a football scholarship. Hey, man, we want you to come play football at Kansas. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, Texas comes the next game and say, hey, we want you at Texas. Come to Texas tradition. All right, man. I'm going to Texas. Yeah, I think we all would. Well, I'll give you the perfect example. The uh, if you haven't figured out now, I'm terrible with remembering names. But the uh, the four star defensive end that OU Bledsoe, Amani Bledsoe, um, he was in Lawrence, lived in Lawrence, knows the coaching staff, was literally hanging out in the field house this last year in high school. I mean, lives five minutes from the stadium. Grew up there. Four-star, big-time defensive end, had a choice of Oklahoma and Kansas, and then the Indy chose Oklahoma. So, I mean – Terrible example. You know. <laughs> oh, you went in and hired the defensive line coach. That was he wasn't one. hired till after he was committed. <laughs> oh, Not sure even close say, to being hey, hired till after he was don't, committed. Don't sign a KU. I'm going to OU. <laughs> it doesn't, just tell it was months later. Matter of fact, if I remember right, the first one hadn't even left because I think it was right after signing day that the well, you, defensive you line coach left you, from OU. You can't blame a kid for wanting to better themselves. I mean – the same way and vice versa. Like if if your kid lives right by Austin, you know you live five minutes from from the you know University of Texas and Kansas basketball wants you. Mm-hmm. Where are you going to go? You're going to go Kansas basketball or Texas basketball? Yeah, I mean, it's, it might it's, be mm-hmm. it might be Texas before too long, guys. Yeah, but right well, now, you know what I mean. Right now, you know, just yeah. you know, it's the same it's the same type of scenario. It's, yeah, it's, no, it's, I got you. If you're if you're an athlete, you got to try to do what's best for you at the time, not worry about making someone mad yeah exactly okay yeah let's wrap this one up rolling on into the next game of the week we had texas versus kansas state and uh this one came down to 24 21 texas 
Um, you know, Devernay had another pretty good. I mean, he only had one reception, but it was it was fun to watch. He had a big touchdown. Foreman was still kind of a workhorse for him. Twenty four carries, which is a lot. Um, for only 124 yards, I think if you put that up against a lot of other defenses, Foreman probably has double that uh, in the Big 12. Uh, Bouchelle, you know, he had a solid day, 222 yards, two touchdowns, nothing spectacular, nothing bad. I mean, winnable is performance for him if you get a performance from the defense. Um, the biggest thing I took away from this is, you know, we'd heard a lot of rumors that Charlie Strong was, you know, a good chance he was going to be fired. And then after the Oklahoma game, yeah, he's probably going to be fired and da 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 any left to be any doubters that were left after this game, no more. I mean, media, every website you click on, I mean, it's done. Everybody's saying that they know somebody that's an insider in the Texas staff or Texas front office or whatever, and they're all saying this is the straw that broke the camel's back. So, you know, as far as I can tell, if you had any hopes of hanging on to him, it's done as far as I can tell. Yeah, he's calling you all. I mean, it's – it's a done deal. I, I almost think they probably even told him. Mm -hmm. See, that's what – watching the press conference today – if you watch it, and we have a clip from it here in a minute, but if you watch it, just the look in his eyes, the way he responds to questions, the way you hear him talking, it's just not the same man. It's it, even before when he was, you know, kind of down and oh, he found a way to come back and bunker in, and we're gonna do this thing and yada yada yada. I just don't see it in him anymore. I I truly believe, and I could be 100% wrong. I have no info on this whatsoever. I truly believe somebody went to him this weekend and said, you're done. At well, the end of the year, it's over. I saw on social media today that there were unconfirmed reports that there was a closed-door meeting between him and the uh, president. Well, there you go. That's probably what was discussed then. Because, uh, I, I mean, you just could see it in his face. It just wasn't the same man at the press conference today. Well, you know, we talk about Oklahoma State's slow starts. Well, Texas is the same boat. They, mm -hmm. They've had slow starts, a lot of them. Mm -hmm. And this was a prime example of it. I mean, mm -hmm. they, they got behind right from the beginning and, and they had to try to claw their way back into it and didn't have enough time to do it. Yeah. I mean, they, they've been struggling the first half quite a bit. Mm -hmm. Yep. Well, and to me, this game is kind of a tell of, of the two teams for the entire season. Texas kind of shoots themselves in the foot in the first half, have, has trouble, you know, catching the balls. They have penalties. Then you have Kansas State. That starts good, and you're like, oh, man, they, they might roll out here. And then what happens in the second half? They go right back to the inconsistent offense, don't put any points on the board. Um, one thing with, with Shane Buchel, actually, I didn't think he had that great of a game. If you take out that 80-yard touchdown to DuVernay, yeah. he only had – he was 16 of 24 for 142 yards with one touchdown. Yeah, so – I mean, that's – That's nothing special. It's well, not good enough to win a lot of times well, in this league. And, and the problem is you have a speedster, a speedster like du DuVernay – he only had one target, and he takes it 80 yards to the house. Mm -hmm. Why aren't you throwing the ball to him again? Yep, and, you know, and he's going to beat those defensive backs at Kansas right. a lot of times. Burton is, too. I mean, I don't know what Burton's deal is. I still don't, but, you know, I don't know if he's just not quite clicking anymore with the cases. But he's fast, too. You put both them guys on the outside, you're going to terrify a secondary because that's well, two extremely fast wide receivers. My question would be this. Is is that Michelle not making the play, or is that the offense – uh, you know, offense coordinator not making a scheme mm -hmm. up or not, you know, not going to that guy, designing plays to get the ball in that guy's hands. Uh, or know, putting which, the reins on him. Are they putting the reins on him because he's had some turnovers? Yeah, I, mean, I, don't, I don't think so. To me, his where he struggled has been the short to intermediate game. That's where the turnovers have been. His best passes have been deep balls. So mm -hmm. to me, I'm like, why aren't, you, why aren't you throwing the ball, trying to get it down the field to assist, you know, Foreman with running the ball or Porter running the ball? One thing I will say, I noticed on this game, I was watching it on my phone as we were watching the OSU game, so I was going back and forth between both of them. But um, one thing I did notice 
Kansas State got a lot of pressure with their defensive line. They wreaked havoc. They got some sacks. They were in his face. He didn't have a ton of time to drop back and make deep throws. And on top of that, I mean, you could tell they were kind of comfortable with – I don't want to say they played back because they didn't really drop back. They were still kind of up front into where they could meet Foreman. But it was almost like we'll allow Foreman to get, you know, five, four or five yards here and there. We're just not going to try to give up anything just overly – that will kill us. You know what I mean? So, so to me, went, that kind of looked like it. They went with the OSU game plan except they didn't allow 350 yeah. yards of rushing. Yeah, well, yeah, basically, yeah. yeah. Well, and, you know, we talked about what what is Bill Snyder's one of his best things he does. He always tries to figure out what you do best and take that away from you. And mm-hmm. that's kind of what he did. Like he took away – he knows Michelle can't throw – the intermediate routes very well. So once yep. you try to do, you make sure he can't fill the long ball. Exactly, that's you know? my point. They didn't. T- they didn't really. To me, it didn't look like the defensive game plan from what I got to watch of it. Again, on a cell phone, uh, was they didn't really. They kind of ignored the center, the middle third, if you want right. to, if you will, if you'll call it that. If you've got the defensive line, then the middle third, then the back third. They kind of ignored that middle third, in my opinion. Um, even to the point that the safety who they brought up to cover uh, in the run game a lot against OU, he wasn't up near as much as I expected to see him in this game. So, yeah, Barnett, yeah. They didn't use him near as much as they did against Oklahoma in the run game. So, Yeah, from Kansas State point of view, I mean, they they kind of went in and did what we kind of thought they would do. They would they would settle the ball. They would try to run the football. They, you know, they would play good, solid defense, you know, not give up a lot of points, and that seems kind of like what they did. I mean, what we kind of thought was going to happen happened on that end of the ball. What do you think of K State, Brady? I think they're your team, aren't they? Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I thought I thought Ertz had a really good game as far as efficiency with his passing. He was twenty for twenty-seven. Didn't throw for a lot of yards. Threw a lot of intermediate passes, short passes. But yeah, I thought I think that's pretty much his plan. I mean, yeah, I, mean, I don't think he's, he's a deep ball guy. I think Snyder's using him using him well, and he also ran the ball for 78 yards and two touchdowns. So yep. very effective with his legs and did what he needed to do with his arm. Uh, yeah, the guy like- the guy that keeps showing out on defense for me is kind of one of the guys we talked about in the preseason who had a really good year last year, was second in the league in sacks, uh, Jordan Willis. Yeah. That yeah. guy's, I mean, he's to me, he's a pretty good NFL prospect. Going to be a good player at the next level. He's leading the Big 12 in sacks now, too. He's got one more than Oboe from Oklahoma. So, he's you know he's having a pretty good year for them. He's wreaking a lot of havoc, man. How many sacks is yep. it? I think it's eight, I believe. I think he's up to eight. I yeah. think Oboe has seven and he has eight. I think Dorrance Armstrong has seven, too, from KU. That might be. But Oboe yeah, didn't yeah, get to add game. one. So, yeah. Yep, he's got eight. And I think William, uh, Williams had uh, – Willis. Uh, Willis had uh, two. Of the, I was trying to think how many he had. I think he had two this game, if I remember yeah, right. Yeah, he had said two. two. Yeah, so he had a two of them right there. They wreaked a lot of havoc. I mean, Texas didn't want any part of them on the offensive line. They kicked their butt from one end of the field to the other. Um, you know, if you're K-State, you still, in my opinion, got to work on that run game. I mean, Ertz does give you somewhat of a run game, but 12 carries for 81 yards. I mean, did it get it done in this game? Yes. But when you start really facing some of these elite offenses in the Big 12 right now, you're – I'm sorry, but I don't think 80 yards from your running back, no better than your passing game has been, is going to be enough to beat anybody. But, you know, it just depends on what your defense does that day. Well, also, Jones had a key turnover in, in the red zone. Yeah. You know, I remember reading an art or reading a, a quote from the Wizard, and basically, you know, when we're five years old, they teach us two hands on the ball when you're, down, <laughs> when you're going into traffic. Put two yeah. hands on the ball. Yeah. That, that was kind of uncharacteristic. I believe they were 100% on – Red zone conversion up until that point. Yeah, they well, were and, the... and Texas missed a field goal too. So I mean, that could have tied up the game there. Yeah, yeah that's, that's true. That's I'm not surprising. That. Well, they got it blocked, didn't they? There was another one they got blocked, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah, yeah. 
So yeah, I mean they they've got to work on that, man. I mean I get this this point, you know, it's whatever, I guess. But um, you know, real quickly, listen to Charlie Strong. You guys tell me what you think about him. To me, uh, you you may have to watch it if you're not 100 percent sure. Go look it up. Look up the press conference today. See what you got an opinion. To me, man, I just see a guy who it's he's been told something, it's done, and he's just you know trying to get through this year. And th- this is a little bit about you know what they've done or what is he okay with where they are? Does he still think they're close or not? Uh, and then also, um, what do you think? What do you expect from the rest of the year going the rest of the way? Charlie, for the third straight year after seven games, you're three and four. Are you seeing the progress you want to see at this stage in the program? Well, you like to see, Chuck, it's, it's always where you want to be better. and You want better progress in what we're seeing. And you look at some of those games, and, you know, we always come back to it where we're so close. And I say that to the team. I told them I kind of just worn that cliche out where we're so close because it's not so much you're so close. We need to capitalize and go win those games. Charlie, along those lines, this year you, you had the big start and had good momentum right out of the gates. How do you keep these guys believing that you can get back to the point that they felt after Notre Dame? Well, you look at it, Roger, you have five games left, and I told him, I said that uh, three of our toughest opponents are coming in, they're at home. And I said the thing we've done, we've gotten off a good start at home, so now you have your next three big ones coming in here, starting with Baylor. So with us being at home, I expect us to play pretty well. and. And uh, it's no reason for us not to. It's, it's no. And I told him, I said, guys, it's you have five games left, and you want to end up with a good year, and you have a chance to end up with a good year. It's just now we just got to take it game by game, and just look at it just week by week. Don't don't look down the road. Let's look at what's in front of us. Let me turn this down real quick for anybody talks. Okay, there we go. Um, yeah, to me it kind of sounds like that he. I don't know, and you may not have been able to hear. Like, so you may go back and watch it, but. You're hearing a lot of more things where he's referring to the betterment of the kids almost like going forward, like I'm not going to be there. Like you guys need to try to do this at the end of the year to, you know, almost roll into next year. I don't know. I just I get some signs and feel some things and looking at him, he just to me looks like a guy that's been told he doesn't have a job at the end of the year, which I know is not a surprise to anybody. I just feel like this is definitely the turning point where we know it's over. Yeah. So, you know, take from that what you will. Uh, that one came from YouTube. It was actually courtesy of, uh, I don't have a publisher on that. It just says Texas Longhorns. I guess maybe the university posted it. Yeah, I'm betting that's the athletic department. So uh, thank you to those guys for that video. Um, anything else we want to discuss, Kansas State and Texas, before we move along? Uh, well, I mean, only thing, how's Texas going to respond? I mean, it, I'm sure Charlie Strong ain't going to come out and just say – they told me I'm going to be gone. Mm-hmm. If that's the case, I mean, we don't know. Actually, know that's the case. But if that is the case, uh, I'm sure the players they're going to catch wind of it. Mm-hmm. How, how are they going to respond to this? I mean, are they going to fold the tents up or are they going to, you know, put up a fight? I mean, what's what's going to happen? Yep. I mean, if you look at the mentality right now of Texas, it's just fold the tents up. I, I don't think there's much fight with with Texas right now, or you know, since I guess really since the OU loss. Yeah, that one did kind of break them. I mean, OSU was ugly. There was people trashing them and everything else. And that the OU game kind of seemed like a game that could galvanize them, but they just never did. You know, and once, especially when that was over, they just didn't look like they had much left at that point. And I don't, you know, I don't know. I don't see them really doing much of anything. I think Baylor, the good chance Baylor kicks their tail this weekend. 
you know, and then I don't know going forward. Uh, you know, how bad how bad could it get at this point? I mean, what, what what's the record off the top of my head? I'm not even three and four. Three and four. Three right? and four. Okay. One and three in conference. I mean, you you're in my opinion realistically looking at a chance of again missing a bowl game. I mean, I don't think that's absurd to say. Does well, anybody feel like it is? Well, I find it interesting because at after week one, it was like they're going they're going to the playoffs. Oh yeah. To Big Twelve champs. Yeah. To now to now, you, there's a chance you might not be going to the bowl game. That's mm-hmm. it's, I mean, it's, it's weird you, how fast things change. That, that's blue blood for you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If you look at their upcoming schedule, they've got Baylor coming up next. Then mm-hmm. they have Texas Tech, mm-hmm. then West Virginia, then Kansas, a winnable game, and then TCU to finish off the year. I think they're lucky if they win two of those. I I think so as well. That puts them at five. So then yeah. they're if they toast. can if they can find a way to beat Tech and find a way to beat Kansas, then yeah. Where's Where's the Tech game at? Do you have that in front of you? That's at home for, or at Tech. Sorry, it's at Tech. So I you know. I think they're going to give Baylor a run for the money, guys. They could. They very well could. I just, yeah. I well, to me, is what team I, are you going to get that rolls out on the field? That's my question. What's Warren's status? He's he's out for a while, man. Okay. I, I think so, it's yeah. basically you're going to have Foreman. To, well, we'll go into it in the preview show, but there's going to be a lot of running yeah. involved trying to he, exploit Baylor's weakness and also keep Baylor's offense off the field. Yeah, I mean, Charlie. So if you're if you're loading the boxes up on the U-Haul, stop right now. Listen, you're going to have to run the damn ball. I mean, yeah. that's 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 your that's your ticket to win the ball game against yeah. Baylor. Yeah, plain and simple. And you know, and they could use a good a couple of big wins for them. You know, in the off season, or it's going to be a long, dark, cold off season again. You know, although you are going to have the aspirations of a new, fresh start and a new coach and all that, but. I don't know. To me, you know, it, I know for a fact it crawls under some Texas fans, if not a lot of them, skin Baylor has success and is better than them. So beating them would at least go a little bit to, you know, helping them a little bit with the rest of the season. So I think what one last thing that's interesting with the Texas situation is if, if they do, in fact, they get rid of Strong, has Herman lost a little bit of his luster here recently? I mean, they've – They've had some I don't pretty think so. poor showings know. the last three games. I don't know. Most people know it's Houston, and they're only so much. I think, I think people overshot him a little bit. I mean, I said it when it happened. I still think, say it to this again. The Oklahoma game, I still think Oklahoma's the better talented team, more talented team, um, and made a lot of mistakes. And I think a lot of what that did was oversell Houston to a lot of people. They thought they were a real legit top five team when they're not. They don't have enough talent to be. They just played a perfect game that day had with almost no flaws, whereas Oklahoma made a ton of mistakes, and well, it made them look better than they were. They were also coming off a victory over Florida State yes. as well. And, I, and people look into bowl games too much, I'm telling you. If it's not for something real, it's really hard, especially when you have the situation of a Power 5 facing a non-Power 5 or a team that thought they could go to the national title doing that. I mean, it's just not – you're not going to 100% get that team. I don't care what the situation is. You're right. So. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's similar to whenever Alabama and OU played. Mm-hmm. OU did whip them all up down the field, but – that being said, I don't really think Alabama was was one hundred percent into the game. I mean, it's the same it's the same scenario. Never, in my opinion, never. And I know I I will personally do my best to try and not do this, but never try to put too much into a bowl game that doesn't have any, um, you know, real jewelry behind it. Because I all it does, you, is especially give, nowadays, all it does is give your players a good feeling going into the summer and stuff. But it doesn't it mm-hmm. doesn't actually make you a better team come. August. Well, it doesn't happen. I think it in the past, recruiting. it's the practices too. You get those extra practices for the young players. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think I think in the past it meant more to some of the kids. You know, you're going to the Rose Bowl. You know, uh, now I don't think it quite means as much to these kids as it used to. I think it's unless it's a playoff. I think it's a playoff for bus mentality, especially at a lot of the Power Five schools that are you know blue bloods or near that level. I think if well, they, you know, they don't have anything else to play for but a national title every year. Well, that and they got seventy bows now. Yeah, I mean, that's I mean, true. You know, whenever, whenever there's only like five of them, you know, mm-hmm. you, I mean, you're one of the like top ten teams in the country going to play. Not now, it's like you know, 
if you just finish six of six, you're guaranteed a bowl. It's totally yeah, yep. different. I'll exactly. Take a, I'll take a swag bag from one of the poor bowls. Yeah, that, is too, yeah, yeah, that is true. That is true. I think it's the Insight Bowl, and <clears throat> one of them gives away like Apple Watches and all kinds of crap. Like it's nuts. I've seen so, some of those swag bags, man. They have they get all kinds of crap. Thousand dollar Best Buy gift cards, and TVs, Xbox Ones, TVs. Yeah. I mean. So if any, any sponsors of Bulls are listening, we will accept free donations. Yeah, we'll and, we'll take we, bags. and we will push the crap out of your bowl. <laughs> yeah, any of our listeners know some good sponsors that want to sponsor us? I'll even, all I'll, ears. I'll even rent a billboard in our metropolitan town of 1,500 people, <laughs> and we'll put that bad boy up. So anyway, closing up on Texas and KSU, anybody got anything else to add? I mean, I feel bad for – I do feel a little bad for Charlie. He's kind of taking a little bit of unfair punishment. But at this point, I can't blame Texas either. I mean, I, if not, do you keep him and really want to risk going through this again? I I don't. If it was, if it's I'd, me, I wouldn't. I would say if Charlie, if if Texas was putting forth a good defensive effort. I mean, he's a good defensive coach. He's known for his defensive side of the ball, and just what they're doing on the defensive side of the ball is just pretty awful. So that that tells me that you know he's he's lost the team. He's he's kind of lost what he's doing there, and he they need to replace him. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I thought it was going to be a good fit going into this whole thing. I like Charlie Strong. I thought it was going to be a good fit at Texas. Mm-hmm. I thought he was the right type of mentality. But sometimes it just doesn't work out. Like it's just not it's just not a good situation for either side. Well, if you it kind of seems like that's what's happening. If you remember, a lot of it going into it was the biggest nitpick was he's not a very good guy with the media. I mean, that's all anybody can ever talk about. Right. How's he going to handle the, the media duties? That the Longhorn Network was still new and fresh. You know, you had all the media responsibilities that even Mac Brown didn't even have to put up with to an extent. And – you know that was the big concern. How's he going to handle all that? And I, you know, I think he's done fine with that. Lord knows he's not great at interviews or, or press conference. And like I said, he walks all over the dang stage. But you know, I really thought it'd be a pretty good fit there because you know what Texas can be with yep. just a little bit of a punch. You know, a little bit of a kick in the butt. What Texas could be. Like I said, like I've said many times on this show, they went five and seven last year and finished with roughly across the board a top twelve recruiting class in the country. I mean, that, nobody else does that. No, it does right. not happen. Well, so. We better get started on this OU Tech game. It'll take us 15 minutes just to get through the record set on the um, <laughs> rolling into TCU and uh, TCU West Virginia. Oh no, that's right. We yeah, reversed them, didn't we? It's OU Tech. Okay, we'll go. I got them reversed on my computer. I'm sorry. Okay, we'll roll into Oklahoma Texas Tech on this one. Um, you know, I'm sure most people, if you could stay awake for it, at some point I was even about ready to tap out. Um, if you stay <laughs> awake for it, hours. The end, yeah, it was a long game. In uh, regulation. 66 high-powered offense. <laughs> 66 to 59. Um, I mean, just some of the quick short stats here. Mayfield had 545 yards with seven touchdowns, which is a school record. Um, Mahomes had 734 yards with five touchdowns and a pick. Uh, Mixon, who I guess, I don't know, some people argue who the player of the game was. He just kind of did a little bit of everything. He had 263 yards rushing. On top of that, another 100 plus yards receiving on 31 carries, two touchdowns. I think he had another one receiving, another touchdown receiving. He had three receiving. He had yeah. five total touchdowns. Oh, okay. He had three receiving. I'm sorry. I was reading this wrong, I think. Oh, okay, yeah. Um, Mahomes had 12 carries, 85 yards, two touchdowns. Um, Westbrook had nine receptions, 202 yards, two touchdowns. Cootie had receiver for Tech, if you're not familiar with the name. Ten receptions. Cootie. Cootie I don't know. I like to say Cootie. They say Cootie. I don't know. Whatever. I like to say Cootie. It sounds um, more politically correct. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Cootie, politically correct in what way? I don't <laughs> Ten receptions, 172 yards, and one touchdown. And I think a guy that's kind of being left out of some of this is Giles, the receiver from Tech. I mean, that dude, yeah, he, he had, had some very key plays, yeah. and he absolutely tortured Oklahoma's nickelback, Will Johnson, for a lot of the night. He so. Had, 
10 receptions for 167 yards and two TDs. Yeah, so there you go. Five yards less than Kuti. So before we dive into this game, can we can we make a, a public service announcement here on this deal? Can all anybody playing tech play at eleven o'clock in the morning? Because <laughs> they're going to score seventy points and they're going to give up seventy points. Yeah, and the game lasts forever. So let's not yeah. put them at, at nighttime. We're let's begging them, you, networks. Come yeah. on now. Except for when they play in Stillwater on November twelfth, because I'll be at that game and I want that to be an evening game, not a eleven o'clock <laughs> kickoff. <laughs> well, here's the problem with the networks: they're going to want them late too, because what if it runs into the other games they've got scheduled? So they'd rather have them. At, yeah, you know, you're right. So. I don't know. I guess unless you want to put them on like ESPN Plus, if it runs late, maybe I don't know. Uh, Ocho. But uh, yeah, the Ocho. <laughs> um, I could imagine those announcers going after it. <laughs> Ooh, I don't know if he's going to make the tackle, Cotton. Um, yeah. So, you know, I, I really, I don't know. I'm almost exhausted over the discussion over this game in the last couple of days. There's not really much else you can be said about the defenses. I mean, you can say what you want, but it's been said in every way, shape, shape and form. Um, the one thing I will say from my point of view, Tech's defense, you know, it's not like Oklahoma's is much better, but isn't very good. I still think they're the worst in the league. At least with Oklahoma, you have some injuries they can kind of say, okay, well, we had a lot of – I mean, for instance, you had Oboe who played 107 snaps. You had defensive linemen who played about 90-something stats. I'd have to go look up the paper again. They had like 90-something snaps between them. I mean, you just can't – you can't – I don't care who you are, how talented you are, you're not going to play good defense for four quarters if you got guys playing that many snaps. Well, here's one thing that, that bothers me in this game. This is from the coaching standpoint of this game. We, we talked about this earlier in the preview show. If you're having troubles – this is on both sides, OU and Texas Tech defensively. If you're having troubles being in a zone or whatever and covering the past – why the hell not just bring guys and try to make something happen? I mean, yeah. obviously, what setting back is not helping either one of the, either one of the teams. Mm-hmm. Why not bring some pressure and try to make something happen? If you're going to get burnt, at least bur- get burnt trying to make something happen. It absolutely drives me insane. Well, here's, yeah. here's the craziest thing: it was like Oklahoma was whipping them up front pretty bad. I mean, if you watch the game, the defensive line dominated them a lot, and then you bring in an oboe or a guy like that rushing, they were getting a lot of pressure. They just couldn't. And when he, if they if he got it off, they just couldn't get knock it down. I mean. Theoretically, they should have had the numbers there, to stop there, the ball. There was a lot of arm tackling going on in the backfield when they did corral Mahomes. He would just yep. kind of shake it off. Which I think, especially later in the game, led to a, the exhaustion theory because oh, yeah, they're, they're just tired. throwing their bodies right. at him at that point. I mean, he's 200. What's Mahomes? Probably 210 pounds? Something he's like that. 220 pounds? He's, I mean, he's bigger a, than that. He's, he's a pretty big kid. He's a pretty, pretty good sized kid. Um, I mean, you look at him, he looks really thick. I, you know, you're not just going to – and I, I really saw it in the fourth quarter with the defensive lineman. 6'3", 230. Yeah, well, there you go. Um, Gallimore, Gallimore one time had him dead to rights. I mean, playing his day, laid him out, would have been a huge play because if I remember right, it was a third and long conversion. And he just kind of falls at his knees. I mean, he just, I believe that was third and twenty-five, and they went on like a sixty-yard touchdown pass. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, like that. I mean, Gallimore, all he has to do is take him out, and the play's over. They just – I think – you know, to some extent, the secondary didn't do their job definitely most of the day. But to some extent, the defensive line didn't finish off some things they should have either. So. See, and that, that's a truly frustrating part to me if you're an Oklahoma fan, is the secondary returned, I think, five out of seven. So, yeah. You, but those guys aren't even playing. Or some of them are, but not all of them. That's the problem. It's not even – they haven't. They have yet to play their starting 11 in a single game, their true starting 11 this year. The secondary uh, he's talking though. about defensive backs. Yeah. Those are all pretty much there. Yeah. You're, no, you're, you're missing Parker. You're missing – now, granted, you're down to one now. I'll give you that. You're at least down to one now, but you haven't been all year. And actually, no, that's not even the case because you had Sunderland playing or uh, Houghton playing who, honestly, in my opinion, has no business even being out there. Okay. But you return five of the seven, and this is not just – you know, this game is an abomination. I'm throwing this out, but it's been kind of a recurring struggle all year. Mm-hmm. 
But what I'm saying is when they're at least healthy, it was one position. Now that they've had a couple injuries, and I think a lot of what you're seeing too is the safeties are having to take on. Uh, this reminds me so much of 2014 where they didn't trust the corners. In this case, it was Jordan Thomas, who's now technically your best corner, couldn't stop anybody as a freshman. And you had to see guys like Ahmad Thomas and them having to take over his role and theirs. I think that's what you're seeing. You're seeing guys having to do way too many jobs, whether they don't trust them or they do trust them, whatever. And that's what's happening. Guys are getting beat because they're trying to take on too much work at one time. I'll a, tell you who was probably the poorest effort on the defensive in. side of the ball for OU was Jordan Evans. I, 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 if you just go back and watch the game and just watch him from pretty much play one, he's jogging around, not even really trying to trying to get past quarterback. Uh, if, that, that's bad. I mean, if, if that's what – I mean, Oklahoma in general across nationwide – is one of the flagship programs, right? You know, whether you're whether you're a fan of them or not, I mean, you be realistic here. They're they're one of the top, say, ten programs in all college football, if not way on higher up the list. Anyways, if that's what the mentality is, if that's what they're doing down there now, there's a problem. I mean, not I'm not saying that Bob Suits needs to be fired. I'm not saying anything like that, but something needs to be fixed because well, that that should not happen. I don't know if it's quite to the extent Brady made it sound like, but at the same time, if he is doing that. And it to, if it is like that, I would want to know either, A, if he's hurt because that's not typical of him. He's been a workhorse ever since he's got here. He's played since he was basically later in his freshman year. I mean, he's a really reliable guy that works hard. So I would want to know if he's injured or if that is the case, if he is just doing that and there is nothing wrong with him, then clearly something has to be addressed. I mean, there has to be a right. case where you say, hey, you're on the bench for at least a quarter until we figure out whatever, you know, justifiable for whatever the case may be that he's doing because that can't happen. I mean, that's your – only returning experienced guy at linebacker. That's a captain on your defensive, uh, on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah, every other and linebacker. And you're getting that effort out of a captain. That's well, pretty piss poor, if you ask me. On the tech side, can we talk about how bad they played on defense? I mean, some of the holes that Mixon ran through. I mean, like the Red Sea parting. Yeah, mm-hmm. you could have. Oh, his entire defensive line could have just, you know, gone around and gone through that one hole. Yeah, they We're and their tackling was their tackling was worse. Their tackling, and if, it, if that's possible, it was worse. Was yeah, I, um, I thought the play of the game was right before halftime. Tech scores, and then I think there was a minute twenty left or something like that. Mm-hmm. Me, I I was watching the game, going, "All right, just down the ball," just because of a past experience this year where it, it was they tried to do something and Baker fumbled the ball, but <laughs> two plays touchdown, uh, unreal. Yeah. Wide open bombs. Uh, I I don't know. I don't know how you let that happen. That's that's a good segue, Brady, because I have that clip right here. Matter of fact, uh, to me personally, I thought it was kind of one of the key points of the game, if not the key point of the game, even as early as it was, because you had Tech. The score is twenty three to seventeen. Tech has the ball. They score with forty three seconds left. They snap the ball on a first and ten play. Um, they get a touchdown, and then Oklahoma immediately answers. And what looks like they're going to go down into the locker room, which I think could have hurt them, you know, in the end. I mean, granted, they only won by a touchdown. So, you know, that may hurt yeah, them going it, into the it end. It was def- definitely huge. I mean, it kept them kept them ahead of the game. Tech was getting the ball at the half. So so here's that exchange between these two, first starting off with Tech. Four-man rush. Steps up in the pocket, throws right side, and fingertip catch and a touchdown by Jonathan Giles. A fantastic grab by the sophomore, Jonathan Giles, in the near corner of the end zone. And with 37 seconds to go, the Red Raiders can take the lead with an extra point. 
Snap, Baker, fakes a handoff, rolls right, sets up, looking middle, throws for the end zone, Basquiat is there, he's got it, it's a touchdown! So that was that second one there from Baker was thrown with about oh yeah I need to turn that down sorry I apologize. Uh, so that second one there from Baker uh, was about I think like twenty something seconds left you through that. So all that I think. So all that happened in about a period of sixteen seconds pretty much. And yeah. so I mean that, that's bad on Tech has got to stop that. Got to I mean you get a huge score right there to go up with the lead. They've got to shut that down. You can't allow them to score in two points well, there. I, I don't know if you two saw plays me, there. If you were following me on Twitter. That's about the time that I said that they need to just go ahead and put number seven on defense in the trash can. That's about <laughs> <as> <laughs> yeah, I remember that now. Well, uh, I I thought whenever Tech got the ball back at the half there, or you know the end before the end of the half with 17 seconds left, I was like, man, why are you down on the ball? You could get a touchdown here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, if that going into the second half at that point, you know, to me the game was really exciting up until about maybe early in the third quarter and then at that point it was just like okay no matter what position they're put in we know that team's going to score then the other team's going to get the ball then they're going to score and it's going to keep well, going and going i and think going. i think early in the third quarter was the last time that either team which ou made a stop and texas had to punt the ball or whatever yeah yeah i think yeah. it was early in the third quarter and after that it was just back and forth touchdown did, touchdown 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 crazy. did we ever verify if oklahoma scored on every possession or not i needed to look i have it right here in front of me uh, i heard that they scored on every possession except for when they the fourth and the one whenever they got okay. stuffed because i was thinking i saw uh so cyber stops they got stopped well, on fourth and one yeah i don't remember that i guess that um, was, uh okay so, yeah, second quarter Okay, well, there's the – oh, yeah, yeah, yes, you're right, you're mix right. And, mm. Mix and run and yep. get blown up. Yeah, well, I wasn't happy with that whole uh, exchange of events, to be honest. Let's be honest, that guy needs a helmet sticker, damn it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, MVP. Yeah, that's true, He's yeah. MVP. Uh, I was just thinking for some reason I saw a cyber the real punt MVP. the ball one time, but I guess not. Um, yeah, so, you know, and to me, but the other thing that was kind of interesting about this game is you saw Tech actually, like, killing more time of possession in a lot of situations than Oklahoma. I mean, Oklahoma was scoring. I mean, look at five plays, three plays. Tech, you've got 12 plays, 10 plays. I mean, 14 plays versus one play. Uh, Tech, eight plays versus Oklahoma, nine plays. I mean, you know, yeah. up and down the board, Tech was doing this in longer plays, killing more clock than Oklahoma was. Oklahoma was and basically you, scoring at will. And you know, you know, we, we're bashing Oklahoma defense. Granted, it's deservedly so. But they did get them to 25 third down opportunities. Yeah, exactly. That, that's pretty good. But mm-hmm. when you're giving up twenty to twenty five on third down, <laughs> yep, and then well, and then they go into fourth down and go two for two. Yep. I mean that's just. Well, you know what was impressive to me from from Tech is this is a fight that we hadn't seen in them in a while. That's true. Yeah, I think it was the Baker effect. I really do. Yeah, the Baker I think, effect. Man. I think this is Oklahoma. Which any I don't care if Oklahoma's good or not. They come in with that Oklahoma symbol on their helmet. They're going to get a lot of teams' best shot. And then you throw in the Mayfield factor, especially after they got their butts handed to him in Norman last year. And this was kind of the rubber match or whatever, if you want to call it the last chance. Because if he comes back next year, I don't think you're going to see a lot of this still continuing. Uh, I could be wrong, but I really I think it's kind of done and dead now for good. But I, I think you're wrong. Man. I think speaking, I felt. I think I felt. Speaking of. Go ahead. You, you saw the true tech colors come out with the F.U. Baker chance going on and then after the game chunking full water bottles at him yeah i warned you guys on this you didn't believe me. just to be clear yeah. they weren't just saying f you baker Warner, in who, case didn't, who didn't believe you no i'm just i'm talking to well, general people th- this to me this game right here is a prime example of what we've been talking about all year with tech 
Mahomes has got to play like Superman, and he threw the ball 88 times. Mm-hmm. Whenever you have to rely on a guy to throw the ball 88 damn times, you're you're in trouble. Yep. You know, Who do they I mean, play this week? I don't know, they man. They have a bye, don't they? they I hope so. Finally? The kid, yeah, the kid probably so can't pick it, lift think, his arm up. I think they're finally – no, no, we have five games this week. So, they everybody's playing. They oh. okay. got TCU. Well, he's probably so. going to throw for 90 in this game. Then. Yep, that's going to be a shootout maybe yeah. even more than this one was. So, I mean, so – That's what we've been talking about the whole time. I mean – Mahomes has Mahomes has to play like he's Joe Namath to win the damn ball game. Yep. And that's the only way they can even compete in the game. They have he played no better than Joe Namath and he lost. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. They have no running game, none whatsoever. They cannot I mean, run the ball. I feel bad for that Mahomes. guy. I mean Mahomes, Mahomes yeah, but I mean a traditional <laughs> sense of running the ball, they cannot do. Yeah, it. I got you. You know, from an outside looking in, I feel bad for the guy. I mean, when you have, whenever all that pressure's on you, and you have to, and you go out and you play a damn good game, and shit, well, he threw for what, seven hundred thirty-four yards. Mm-hmm. I mean, yep, yep. When, you, when you throw, he counted for, for over eight hundred yards of offense. Well, and he he looked like he thrived with that too. It wasn't like he was struggling. Like, oh man, I gotta keep going out there. Let's get better. Yeah, let's go. Let's go oh, and yeah. get it. He, he's a competitor. There's he, no doubt. You could tell he was feeling pretty sexy, so he thought he had it. Yeah. You know, like he thought he could do what he needed well, to do. But I mean, he had to. I mean, that, that's, that was the only option they had was for him just to wing the ball all over the field. And I'll give him all the credit in the world; he did that. Mm-hmm. But I mean, it just it just goes to show you you can't you can't win that way. It's impossible. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So there was there was 109 plays ran by Tech. Mahomes either threw the ball. Or carried the ball a hundred times out of the hundred. Yeah, there, I'm there never seeing that today. The, yeah, the, that, the, that's yeah. insane. If you're a stat junkie and you haven't had a chance to dive into this, believe me, I we literally could do a show on this game. I mean, it was absurd. I mean, for instance, just a couple of them: uh, Baker Mayfield, uh, Mixon, and Diddy Westbrook. I thought was interesting. Became the first players ever in FBS history to be have a 500 yard passer, a 200 yard rusher, and a 200 yard receiver in the same game. I mean, just stuff like that, just off the chart stuff. You can go look it up anytime. I mean, it's just nuts. Another thing that's crazy is with 88 attempts, he completed 59% of his passes still. And there were some of them. I mean, there there weren't a lot of short passes. They were a lot of them there, were going deep. There were points oh, yeah. left there on There were the 20, 40 yard passes <laughs> yeah. a lot to un- missiles on a lot of them. I, here, I'll tell you what I thought was crazy 88 attempts, and he was still one shy of the all time record for attempts. <laughs> yeah. yeah. My God. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, was that was that like the Colt Brennan Hawaii days? I mean, I who know. was the Washington no. State probably? Leach has always got guys throwing them. It's one of those things, though. That's who it is. The Washington State guy broke it like two two years ago. I yeah. yeah, and he didn't set the passing record at seven hundred and thirty-four. He tied somebody. Yeah, can't so, get one more yard. Yeah, uh, another another crazy up. stat to me was the uh, the total yards by each team. I mean, it, yeah, that was cool. You know, if I was Oklahoma, just so I wouldn't be in the record books for this, I would have done the uh, instead of for doing the shotgun snap, you know, down the ball, I would have got got in the uh, got up on the on the center and down the ball to clock the game or See, whatever. If they'd done mm. that, he probably would have fumbled it and Tech would have ran in for a touchdown and tied it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. we probably wouldn't go into like quadruple the overtime. Game, the game ended with both teams at 854 yards. Yep. I had I had somebody text me after the game and said. How does it feel that Mike Stoops or that Oklahoma now holds the record for most yards allowed in the game? I was like, well, they kind of tied Texas Tech. So, <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, this is a one. Like I said, this is a one-off. First of all, you know, and the West Virginia fans, the ones who are like, oh, you know, this is a this is a vindication. Da, da, da. I'm sorry, West Virginia fans. I hate to break it to you, but this was not the same Texas Tech team you played. Not even close. This team on both sides of the ball was, and even though they played horrible on defense, had much more focus on this game. You could just tell from the word go. If you if you add up the total yards here and you put it into miles, it's right right at a mile. There was literally a <laughs> mile of offense in this game. One mile. I mean, that's insane. Mm, yeah. So, you know, uh, that's 
to me, I don't people to me this is you just burn it up. This is a one off, you throw it up and go away. I mean I don't think you're gonna see this Gotta hope so. I mean I don't think you're gonna see this again. Uh, to, this was just a perfect storm, oh, I think. Good Lord. Two teams that desperately wanted to beat each other, whether it was around Baker or whatever, and you got that and two defenses that probably for different reasons to some degree did not show up. And and then Defensive coordinators that are probably, you know, looking in the unemployment line pretty soon. <laughs> At least I, I hope so. I, I saw on Twitter today, I don't know if any of you guys follow the uh, parody Charlie Strong account, but mm-hmm. he had tweeted out that, you know, oh, you guys roasted me for giving up 700, 700 yards to Oklahoma. Bob Stoops just gave up 850 <laughs> to Tech. Where are you at on that? <laughs> um, one last yeah, thing. He also came back later and said, granted – we're going to give up about 900 or 1,000. <laughs> or th- I think he said 1,000 plus to Texas Tech when we play him. Uh, that's a great fall if you guys can run. Yeah, one, it's funny. One last thing I have to add to this. Um, today, a guy who I'm not going to say his name because I don't want to call him out if it gets back to him and then we have to get into a war words. But a guy that I kind of respect that covers Oklahoma said that, you know, Bob Stoops is not going to panic. He's not going to, you know, just up and fire his brother. Duh, 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 duh. And to me – my question is this: At what point is it not considered panicking anymore? Like, what? How many more times do we have to go through this? When's it actually called for? Yeah, when is it actually enough to say enough is enough that it's time to? And regardless, and is this all entirely his fault? No, but I don't think it ever is when a coach gets fired. It's not ever entirely their fault. The problem is, at some point, a change has to be made, and you can't fire the players. So, even if it just needs a new voice, a new theory, a new system, whatever the case may be. I just I'm ready. If he's if he gone tomorrow, I wouldn't shed a tear. And I like Mike Stoops. I mean, obviously, somewhat attached to him as a fan and a guy who follows the school. He was there part of the last national title and yada yada yada. Brought the program back, but I'm it, just it, done. Like I'm done. You have to separate those two things because it's different now than when he was here. Yeah, was, at that point, it's not the same ago. Big Twelve. Well, it's not the yeah. same Big Twelve. All that, but his results are not the same either. No, I mean the the type of players, the all those things are they're not the same. Mm-hmm. And, and so, well, I mean, what well, that begs the question: like, why is that? And, why? What's the problem? And back then, he did not coach scared. Now he coaches scared way too often. I mean, he was a gambler. Him and Bob both. That's what made it work. I also think this is this Oklahoma team right now is a product of the last few years of recruiting. They've been, I mean. They're still up there, you know, top 15. I think last year was like a top 20 class, but they're they're not up there in the top tier where they used to be when it, early on in Bob Stoops' days where they were, you know, top five classes a lot of times. Yeah. Well, another thing I think with this team this year, you know, injuries aside, because injuries are a big part of this, mm-hmm. but let's set that aside for a second. My thing is whenever you come off a season where you went to the playoffs – and then, then you have the mentality and the idea that your team's good enough, to, and everyone thinks that nationwide. Everyone's saying your team's good enough to go to the to the playoffs, mm-hmm. and you lose two out of the first three ball games. It, it, that's a hard thing to come back from. I mean, mm-hmm. that, just mentally and emotionally, that that wears you down. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm not saying that that's you know they should be playing better football because I think they should, but I mean that, that's a hard thing to overcome. I still think, and they and I also think they deserve some credit for doing that because there's been some teams in the past, Oklahoma, not excluded from this. That would have gone away. They would have fallen under the pressure and the expectations they had and everything, and they didn't. They've answered the bell. They stuck out this game. I mean, this is the perfect – there was a perfect chance for them in this game to go under the rug and never come back. But I think they do deserve some credit for that. I just think at some point the the defense especially has got to get something – change, a major change, not just 
oh, we're going to change, you know, from a 3-4 back to a 4-3. Or, you know, I want something new, a new voice, a new leadership, whatever the case may be. Well, if that means giving Kerry, who's the co-guy, a shot at just being the main head quarter, uh, defensive coordinator, whatever the case may be. I think one thing that you said, and you said it multiple times, that I agree 100% with, is that whenever me being initially an Oklahoma fan, you know, I don't have a problem with anything, but not, not following the team. One that whenever we played you, say, 50, you know, 10 years ago, we knew you were going to bring the house. Mm-hmm. I mean, you you were going to you were they were going to bring pressure on you. They were going to make you make mistakes, and you, your best bet was to try to capitalize on that. And and they put you in bad positions. Yeah. And and I agree with you 100. percent Like they're not doing that. Nope. And, and well, I have yeah. the re- what the reason is. <clears throat> I don't exactly know, but if they well, they, I, they have to get back to that. Mm-hmm. That's really dangerous. For me, I think that Mike Stoops has no idea what to do with a running quarterback. He's scared to death of a quarterback who's dual threat. Especially with a um, a talent deficit that we do see, they're not quite as good. I mean, they're not bad, but they're not quite as good as they used to be. If you have that kind of talent deficit, I think you do especially have to do that. I think you do have to take more risk to try to make people beat you because you aren't good enough just to say, "Okay, I'm going to run my scheme and go." Right. So you know, that's I'm not saying blitz too. every single play, mm-hmm. but it always seemed like they always came with some kind of weird pressure or something to kind of get you out of your rhythm, mm-hmm. and they don't seem to be doing that right now. Yep. Okay, uh, let's go ahead and roll on and wrap this up with the uh, final game of the weekend. The one we all kind of thought would be the game of the weekend. I guess we were a little bit wrong on that one. Uh, the TCU-West Virginia game, which uh, ended up 34-10 to Tech. Or uh, West Virginia, I said that wrong. We're still reading something. Uh, West Virginia, TCU, West Virginia won 34-10 to at home. Um, this score wasn't exactly what I thought it would be. The, the gap didn't necessarily surprise me. It was just the amount of points on either side of it kind of surprised me. I kind of expected a little more out of TCU, maybe 17 or so, 20 or so. And West Virginia, I kind of thought would have a few more also. But overall, I think, honestly, it kind of went about how I thought. I didn't think TCU would have a good chance of beating them up there. I really didn't. Uh, West Virginia is playing really sound. Right now, they've got to be what you would consider the favorite to win the conference. Um, you know, defensively, they're playing – like I said, they're playing great system-wise. They know their system. They know it in and out. They're playing it well. There's not a lot of names, like we said, on this this roster that scare you, but they know what they're doing and they yep. know their jobs and their duties, and they're trusting each other, which I still think is a huge key people overlook. They're trusting each other to do their duties, to play in the position in the area they're supposed to be in. Nobody's overcompensating, getting out of the position to go get somebody else's kid or player or whatever the case may be. So, And, they, you know, they have a, a solid run game. Uh, the quarterback, Skylar Howard, in my opinion, is playing far better than he has his entire career there. And the receivers there are pretty solid. I mean, they've got – I mean, they really are an all-around threat. So, uh, what did you guys take away from this well, game? Well, I mean, speaking on the defense, I mean, look at the last two weeks. They give up 17 points to Tech, and they give up 10 points to TCU. Mm-hmm. I mean, that that's a pretty good defense. I mean, regardless of, of who the teams are or whatever, that's, that's – the Big 12, that's a really good defense. Mm-hmm. And especially against those two teams who – who we've seen throughout the weeks put up big points. Mm-hmm. So I mean, that goes to show me that, that what you're saying is right. I mean, they're not, they're not, you know, they don't have like the, you know, the the Maneric winners and all that stuff up front, and all that. But they, what they have is they have solid guys who are trusting each other, like you said, and are where they're supposed to be and do their job. They don't worry about anything else. They do what they're supposed to do, yep. and that's the reason why they're doing so good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I, go ahead, Brady. Uh, I was just going to touch on the on the defense thing. I, the, what was impressive for me with West Virginia, you know, watching TCU this year, they've kind of been a, a second half team, and they were able to shut them out in the second half. I thought that was really impressive. Yeah, I agree, Colin. Yeah, I mean, just kind of what they said. You know, obviously West Virginia's defense is good. They're making tackles, which is more than you can say for a lot of the defenses in the league. 
Um, I don't know if you guys watch. I didn't get a chance to watch this game, but I, I was kind of looking back at the highlights, and uh, I think uh, I may be saying his name wrong, but Javon Durant. Durant. He, Durant, he, he yeah. may have made the catch of the week yeah. in a, in oh, a week yeah. full of highlight catches. That, that and, was just an insane catch. And Tech, yep. Tech, you know, you had some amazing catches, yeah. but this one, the the little where yeah, hurts backhand thing or whatever, yeah. I think I may have had that one. I'm not sure if I had in the videos or not. But, yeah, that was a good one. Um, you know, looking at some of the things, too, West Virginia, man, they just don't – they don't hurt themselves. Um, you know, and they, and, they, and they take opportunities. For instance, third down efficiency, they were 8 for 16. 50% on third down, they're doing pretty good. You know, that's not spectacular, but it's good. They're, they're not killing themselves on third down. They're continuing drives, extending drives. Well, I, you know, another thing I would like to say about West Virginia is Dana Hogerson is the one coach that's different than all the other coaches that come out of uh, the Mike Leach tree. Mm-hmm. They're all about passing, passing, passing. Mm-hmm. He he's one of those guys that believes in balance. Mm-hmm. He, he takes what they do, but he makes sure that, that they're balanced with the run. Mm-hmm. And you can see what that does. It, it, it's hard for a defense to do both, you know. And I mean, if the other coaches were to take that mentality, I think that this offense would spread more. Well, but, yeah. you know, these are the best running backs that he's had as a duo since he had. Um, oh my gosh, I forget Jeremy Smith mm-hmm. and Joseph Randall at OSU when he was offensive coordinator. Yeah. I mean, I, I know Justin Crawford didn't play this week. I guess he was banged up or something, but Rochelle Shell had play. a game. He got one carry, but... Well, was a non-factor, basically. Yeah. But, I mean, to me, that's that's the difference between him and what you see coming out of the mm-hmm. Mike Leach tree. That he, he's he's the one that understands you got to have some balance, and that's and that's what he shoots for. He shoots for, shoot, you know... Actually, I think he runs the ball actually more plays, you know, in total than he actually... Uh, passes, but it's only by like two percent. It's like fifty-two, forty-eight, or something like that. But well, you know, he understands that. He said one thing to me, which to me makes total sense, and a lot of people don't understand this. Balance isn't necessarily I'm going to run the ball fifty times and pass the ball fifty times. Balance is I'm going to run and throw enough to do what I need to get done to the fullest extent. You know what right. I mean? Like to get as efficient as possible, get down the field. If that means running the ball thirty percent of the time and passing seventy percent of the time. Then so be it. And then flipping that in the second half, so be it. You know what I well, mean? Like, I think that's he does what that, he does well. He does that game to game. But if you look at like season after season, like he's his balance numbers are like pretty dang close. I mean, yeah. they're not they're not extremely off like say a Texas Tech is. It's a different. He kind of has the passing stuff in there, but he's he's got a different mentality. And I think you can see it works if mm-hmm. you have the right guys to do it. Now that's that's another that's a whole other discussion if you have the right guys to do it or not. Yeah. The one thing he's getting to this year, he's getting a defense that's getting him the ball back, which is really helping a lot. I mean, yes, Skylar Howard's playing good and all that, but this defense is getting him the ball back, much reminiscent of the OSU defense of 2011. They weren't necessarily the the biggest, baddest boys on the block, but they got the ball back, and they did it in really fancy fashion a lot of times. Well, another thing I'll say about their, their defense, too, is their secondary is good. Mm-hmm, they are. They, they, they're, they're solid. And I like mean, I said, I love to watch them play as a unit. I mean, everybody knows their role. They know where they're supposed to be, and they take that responsibility, and they're all great ball guys. They're great on the and, ball. And White will come up and knock your head off. Mm-hmm. He, he He's not afraid to stick it in there. Yep. Uh, you know, you don't, we're starting to see a lot less of that in the secondary. I mean, he, he comes he's, – he's ready to hit. And that's one thing that I really like about watching him play. To me, to me, the story of this game was the turnovers. I mean, if you go down and look at the stats, you can just pull them up on ESPN.com. Pretty regular, regular stats. They're pretty similar. Uh, time of possession is pretty similar. All that kind of stuff. But you look at it. West Virginia has zero turnovers. TCU has the three, and they had two fumbles and one interception. And the interception, if I remember right, was a pretty key one. So. I mean, they, you know, yeah, that's the one earlier in the game that yes. went back, way back, yeah. Because so, they were up 7 nothing, that, but yep. about 14-0 pretty yep. quick. That was a big swing moment for them. Because TCU was driving, maybe looking to answer there. So, yeah. Um, to me, 
And that, you know, that's something we've talked about on the show several times. Kenny Hill will throw that pick that'll hurt you, or he'll make that mistake that'll hurt you more times than not. Yeah, you know? in fact, you you were over at my house watching that game, and you mentioned it right before it happened, and you're like, oh, there it is. Yeah. <laughs> There's the interception that's going to break the back. Yeah, uh, Kenny Hill, I just don't – I don't trust him enough to – he's not steady enough. He's not consistent enough. doesn't mean he couldn't be. He's still got another year or so to go. But right now, he's just not enough – to put everything I think this offense is asking him to do this year. Now, well, I, I will say that on during the game, I was kind of following the game on, on Twitter, and I noticed that there were a lot of TCU fans that were unhappy with the way that Kyle Hicks was involved. They wanted him to get the ball a bunch more. In fact, mm-hmm. somebody, somebody put together a pretty good flow chart on what to do if you're trailing <laughs> or if you're losing. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it was hilarious. It's kind of the like the OU band chart of what song to play. It's always the song. It's always boomer song, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, because to me, I mean – you know he's not too bad as a running back. I, he's a great running back. Whatever. I, I don't. He's not great to me. I think he's a good running back. But he's also really good out of the backfield catching the ball. I thought you saw some signs of that when they played Oklahoma, yeah. and they're not utilizing that near enough, in my opinion. And I know the guys calling this offense know how to do that. I mean, we've seen them do it at other places, and they've been involved in other systems where they do that. But to me, they're not utilizing him enough. And you know, to me, I think this. There's ever since Turpin went out, they just haven't quite. Um, been the same offense to me. It just hasn't quite looked the same to me. Well, it seems like Hicks is their best weapon, and you, you've got to think of any way you can possibly to get your best athletes, get mm-hmm. them the ball, yep. make plays. Yep. Yeah. To me, West Virginia, the one thing we talk about Kenny Hill is the exact opposite of what's going on at West Virginia. Skylar Howard is not making those mistakes. Mm-hmm. His mistakes are very minimal. And when he does throw an interception, it's usually one – where it's not really like anything that's going to hurt you. you yep. know, he seems to be a lot smarter with the ball this year than he has been in the past. Mm-hmm. Uh, real quickly, this is a highlight I had. Uh, this is Skylar Howard to Karan White. 24-10 uh, to is the score. There's a minute left in the third quarter. I mean, I don't think TCU really had any hopes left, obviously, at this point anyway, but this definitely put the nail in the coffin, and it was an amazing catch if you get to get a chance to go watch it. It was just a great play on everybody's part. Second and nine, play fake for Howard. Flushed out of the pocket. Howard throws into the end zone. A diving attempt. Did he get it? He did. Teron White with another incredible touchdown catch. So that was – oh, let me turn it down. Sorry, I keep forgetting to do that. Uh, that was Karan White again, uh, the wide receiver for TCU. And that's um, the former White's – that was the former White's little brother, correct? Yeah, and so is the guy on defense. He's his little brother too. Yep, yep. Uh-huh. So, I didn't know they were all related. Yeah, they're all I just brothers. thought it was Kazir White was the brother. No, both of them are brothers. They're, they're all three. Yeah, they're, they could flat out play. That's all there is to it. Yeah. It's like the Lockett family. <laughs> exactly. They just keep coming. Yep, and that I mean that was a heck of a catch. If you get a chance to go watch that highlight, definitely do. Because, I mean, that was to come back and lay out for that ball in the end zone and make that catch. And like I said, they were up two scores at that point. I don't think TCU really had a whole lot of life left in them, but – Going up three definitely puts that away with basically a quarter to go. You know, one, one thing, back to bad defense, we, took, we said it a bunch of times, TCU is not the same right now. I mean, Mm-mm. I don't know exactly what all the problems are, but, I mean, they're just – they just don't have the same type of mentality. They don't have – they're not they're not making plays. They're out of position. It's just it's just really strange because when you think of TCU, that's one thing that usually is solid. They may not have necessarily a great offense, but they're, they're going to be able to play some defense, and it's – they're struggling right now, very bad. Yeah, there's not, and you could tell. Like I said, I think it's wearing on him too. He's just not uh, Patterson. Like to me, he just—I don't know—he just looks like he's out of answers. He looks just, you know, completely just con- misconstrued, or you know, just all over the place. He just doesn't look like himself. Yeah, discombobulated. Um, you know, so I, 
you know, I don't really know what you do. I don't really think it's going to get a lot better. I mean, if you look at the defensive line, their defensive line guys, uh, Caraway and the other one, they're they're within, I think, third or fourth in the Big 12 right now in sack rating. So, I mean, they're getting some of their own, you know, they're doing some good stuff, but they're just not getting enough good work on the back end of that defense, which, like I said, I don't know if I've said it on the show or not. I've said it to you guys. To me, this is by far the worst year we've ever seen for the Big 12 for cornerback play. Uh, the secondary is awful. I mean, it's just I agree. there's not very many good corners in this league right now. Definitely not that many NFL corners, maybe a couple tops. And, you know, even then, I don't know how good those guys are going to be. So, you know, it's just not – and it gets back to recruiting. I mean, it's they're not recruiting the players that, this, that we're used to seeing this conference recruit. It's just not happening anymore. And, you know, to me it kind of spells the beginning of the end or if you're, you know, wherever we are in this process because I don't think it's going to get a whole lot better, to be honest. I mean, Oklahoma – Yes, they're going to – I mean, they're the third – well, it depends on what, what site you want to use, but somewhere between the third and fifth class in the country this year going into 2017 recruiting-wise. Texas, uh, especially if they can get on and name uh, Herman real quickly, if that's the guy that they end up getting, which I think we assume will probably happen, you know, that could lead to a huge recruiting class for them. Oklahoma State's recruiting a little bit above what they normally do this time of year already. I mean, there there there's some solid Iowa, classes Iowa there. Iowa State way above. Iowa State, yes, Iowa State's way above. Now, well, some of that's also numbers. They have a lot of numbers already this year, but yes, they are talent-wise getting more than they're used to. Well, one of those things too is you got to wait and see and make sure they sign. I mean, yeah, I mean, I mean yeah, there's, there's going to be some it, movement. It never, yeah, yeah it, it never it, makes it all the way. But yeah. I, you're just not seeing the same caliber of player as a whole conference-wide and. I don't think that's going to change much. I think that's going to be the continuing theme until this conference is either dead or until some drastic, drastic change happens, whatever that may be. See, in, in Texas's recruiting strategy the last couple of years, is going to be interesting once the early signing periods come into play. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, they're not going to be able to wait around necessarily well, till January that, to start closing yeah. their class. Good chance they're going to miss they, out on some people. Well, they don't have to worry Texas about that now. usually relies on that banquet weekend uh Reel in a lot of their recruits. Yeah, yep. but then you always have the the bigger schools. Let, let's say like an Iowa State or an OSU or somebody. They work hard and they they get a three star or something, and it's committed to them the whole time. And it's like, oh, well, we had a player decommit from Texas. Hey, do you guys want to come to Texas? Oh, yeah, yeah we're, we're we're done. We're decommitting now. I'll give you an That's interesting. Take some of that away. I'll give you an interesting scenario <clears throat> or example for that. Last year. There's a, a defensive lineman by the name of Daniels from uh, Chris Daniels. Uh, yeah, Chris Daniels. Yep. I can't remember the t- the t- school he's from in Texas, but was this a Bolo Steel? I can't remember which one he was from, but no. um, he was from a school in Texas, and he was a big four-star defensive lineman. Oklahoma had him for a while, had him committed in December, going into the break and all that. And then Charlie Strong swings him like the week before, or not even the week, like 48 hours before signing day or something like that. I don't remember. It was really close, but. If you have the early signing day, say in December, and at that time he probably would have signed with Oklahoma. Right. I mean, and they don't even get him. And, you know, and now he's there. I think I don't know if the redshirt anymore, what, but he's not playing yet this year. But he's a big time prospect. They may not get him, and that's just one example. I mean, I could give many. Uh, Charlie yeah. Strong's flipped several. Anthony Wheeler, he flipped him. I don't remember exactly when in the year, but he flipped him. He's flipped some guys that are playing now for them or should be in the next year or so that they may not have a chance to do that. With his early signing period. Well, they're going to change their tactics. I mean, they're they're, they're gonna not half. Dumb. They're, they're not dumb. I mean, yeah, they're gonna it, have obviously to. it's going to change. I mean, I, they have to. I don't, and I don't look to see the early signing day to have that big of an impact. I think if there's going to be one, it's going to be December, and it's only going to be guys that are going to be early enrollees. Other yeah. than that, you can't sign. There, there is to gonna me, be one, and it's June and December. It's already, it's already going through, man. 
Um, well, that's what I'm saying. But is June it for everybody, December? or is it just going to be for you guys that are going to enroll in? That's everybody. How it's... can you have June and December? You can't have the actual signing date is February. February, yeah. So February. You can't have June and December and February unless they're going to have three dates. They do have that. Yeah, they're going to have three no, dates. There's no way you. I, I don't, don't see, see June that. passing. Are you talking about the? You talking about the? Juco you're gonna. You're gonna get twenty. Date? You're gonna get juniors taking official visits. That'd be ridiculous. That's what they're working on. But yes, that's what the, that's what's been presented to the voting committee. There, it'll June. never. It's never gonna. It'll happen. never pass. They'll never allow a junior signing day. It'll never happen. They're, they're lucky they're getting December. That'll be a senior signing day. Do what? <laughs> I'm just saying they'll never get a June signing day. Like it will not happen. Well, I think. From an athlete's point of view, though, I, I would I would sign June just, just so it's over with. You don't have to worry about all that crap. But you don't have many, but that's not the mentality yeah, yeah. anymore. No, I'm not saying there is. Yeah. I'm just saying like if I, if I was an athlete, though, I, I'd want to almost be done with it so I could just play football and not have to worry about but, the next. And that's, that's what they're saying. That's, that's what they're saying. you want to go to. Like if you're looking well, to true. go to a Texas or a LSU or an Alabama okay. or something like that. But you're, you're not you're, thinking. You're thinking of the cream of the crop that like 200 players in the country. What about the other – you know, 700, 800 kids that are going to be able to sign in and want to sign It's just going to be less it depends on who they're being. because they're going to be non It's just like we've been a lot of talk with non-committable offers. Alabama does it all the time. Depends on Throw who they're out offers just to, just to say, hey, man, whenever they can come back later and say, you know, we've been in for you since the start. You know, how about you go ahead and commit to us whenever they have a guy back out on them? Yeah, and I think that's it why they're – stuff like this is why they're putting these early signing days in because they say, hey, I'm ready to sign. If they say, we're not going to sign you, then okay, well, I'm going elsewhere. It depends on how many – or what offers they have too because a lot of these guys who get the offer from like the New Mexico State to the world, they automatically think they can do better than that. So they're going to wait out their time in camps and stuff like that to try to get the better offers. It all depends on that too. So, well, I mean, it – I don't think it's near as big a group as you're talking about with the 700. I think it's well, kind of a middle-tier group of people. You're also thinking at it in absolutes. Just because there is a signing date doesn't mean anybody has to sign on that date. No, they it won't. It just gives them the option. No, they won't. But I'm just saying, like, I don't think you're going to see – I think you're going to see – the ones you're going to see are the ones that were, you know, locked in for a long time. Like, they were committed maybe even as a junior. Right. Stuff like that, which it's a few far between small amount. Or somebody who just got such a big warm and fuzzy at just the right time that it coincided with the signing date and they didn't think it through all the way and signed, you know, and I'll be interested to see what happens with that too. Well, so and when it, when, when this was pushed forward, that was what, what you guys are saying was the immediate concern. And they're like, obviously we're going to have to look at all this stuff. Like what happens if, Hey, they, they sign and then the coach gets fired after the season, mm -hmm. you know, what are they going to be able to do? Are they going to yep. hold the, the players to the letter yep. of intent? There's obviously yeah, stuff yeah, that needs I, to be worked out, but that's mm -hmm. what was presented to the committee. Like I said, the only thing that I can see actually getting passed is December signing date, and that being just for the guys who are early enroll early enrollees, so they can have a kind of a celebration moment for them. Mm -hmm. You know what's so going to happen, like though. everybody else does. You know what's going to happen if they do do the December one. What's going to happen is no one's going to fire their coach till after that date. I, I, gu yeah. I guarantee well, you that'll happen. Yep. I almost bet money on it. It's like assistant coaches; they don't they don't make the move until after February, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, okay. but I, back to that point, fire your coach after December, don't sign if you're worried about your coach. You know, there's rumors of your coach being fired. Just yeah. wait it out. Um, we will unless, uh, unless you want to go to that school, like if it's a big-time Power 5 school and you're like, shit, man, I'm, I want to get in right now while I can, or otherwise this coach might not be here and the next coach is not going to offer me. Apparently we bumped up to PG-13 podcast today. We'll cover back. We'll go over and get into all this and the recruiting specials that we have coming up. I don't know. We may not. Everybody here may not be entertained by recruiting. Um, anything else we have? We want to add to this before we get done. Uh, no. Against the spread. Oh yeah. Well, everybody finished two and two. 
Okay. Well, and the one push, but I mean, everybody was two yeah. and two, so it was five hundred, baby. Yeah, it's, it's your first week of that. Yeah, <laughs> it won't last. You'll be one and four next week. All right. Uh, anything else to add before we head out of here? No, let's get ready for the preview show. Yeah, okay. Well, have a good week this week. Yeah. All right, guys. Thanks for hanging in here. I know it was kind of a long oh, show. Uh, I just want to tell you, thank you to Derek for coming on to you know with, with the uh, with the interview he did. Yes, yes. Thanks, Derek, from HCS. Uh, we also will have another interview Sunday. Should be up Sunday or so with another guy. Potentially. Uh, we'll wait. We, uh, if everything works out right, that's something we're going to continue doing for you guys. So uh, anything else before we head out of here? Nope. Okay. Until next time, guys. Everybody say bye. Bye. Thanks, guys. See you bye. guys.